And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Kathy and I met uh, Greg and Sandy Mundus some years back at a uh, at, at some missions uh, meetings that were taking place for pastors up in Atlanta. And God has used them over the years in, in some pretty amazing ways. Did you know that today... Because missions has been a huge value of the Assemblies of God, that 1% of the earth's population this morning is worshiping in an Assembly of God church. 1%. Over 68 million people. Did you know that, that every 29 seconds that somebody is coming to the Lord Jesus Christ through an Assembly of God church? Every 29 seconds. Every... Every 63 minutes, a new Assemblies of God church is being planted around the world. Every 63 minutes. Now listen to this. Every 43 minutes, there's a new minister that's enlisted to do the work of sharing the good news of Christ. Hallelujah. That is wonderful. It is wonderful. Here at Evangel, last year, you gave, because of your generosity, because of your sacrifice, we were able to give. Over 18.5% of our total income to world missions and to outreach. That's a big hallelujah. Glory to God. And we're just so excited that, that Greg and Sandy Mundus are with us. And Greg serves as the executive director of Assemblies of God World Missions. That means that he and his colleagues are, are giving leadership to over 2,800 missionaries and missionary associates that are on the field out of the United States. But here's the deal. There are a lot of countries that are also sending out missionaries from Assembly of God churches. And so I don't know exactly how many total there are, but there's a lot of people that are serving Extending the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to put your hands together. I want you to welcome Brother Greg Mundus. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you very much. Good morning. Well, it's awesome to be in church, isn't it? Yeah, this side said amen. What about this side? Okay, just checking. It's a delight to be with your pastor and his wife and to be with the uh, Taylors. They uh, took us out to dinner last night and uh, got, some, got some Cajun food. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good going down. It's kind of like, uh, like when uh, John in the Revelation and uh, the Lord said to him, you know, take, uh, take this little book, it's going to taste really good in your mouth, but afterwards it's going to turn sour in your stomach. Not that bad, but it was awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you, uh, we received just a beautiful basket in our room. Uh, it was just gorgeous, filled with nice goodies. And I'm trying to figure out how we can eat all those goodies before tomorrow morning, but we'll do our best. Thank you for being here on Mission Sunday. You are part of a network, as Pastor was uh, sharing with you, and those uh, possibly that are watching on uh, television as well, that are members of this church or are part of the Assemblies of God, you're part of a network that is actually just global in its scope and perspective. Uh, we, uh, we are in 255 nations, provinces, and territories of this world. 255. There's hardly a place on the planet Earth where we are not. 
And we give God the praise for that. And I'll tell you, it all goes back to the very beginning. It's interesting how our lives go back to the beginning, isn't it? The life of this church, the Assemblies of God, goes back to the beginning. 1914, at our second general council, the first one was in Hot Springs, Arkansas. The second one was in Chicago, Illinois. And in Chicago, Illinois, there was a prophetic word, okay? How many believe that God can speak to his people? Yeah. There was a prophetic word, and that prophetic word said that God would raise up the greatest tool of evangelism that the world has ever seen. Isn't that beautiful? A hundred and two, hundred and three years later now, hundred and, let me see, what year is this? 2017. hundred and three years later, we see evidence of God's hand and God's anointing and God's touch on the assemblies of God. It's not because of strategy. It's not because of gifts of men and women that are capable. It's not because of planning. It's because the Spirit of the Lord prophesied that and his hand has been on this and the assemblies of God, thank God, has been humble enough to recognize that it's the Lord Jesus Christ that deserves the credit and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that this is done. And we give God the glory for that. Amen. It's so nice to have my wife with me. Sometimes I have to travel alone. Sandy, would you just stand up so they can see you? Uh, This is my sweetheart. 46 years uh, we've been married. I know she doesn't, she doesn't look it, but I make up for it. Uh, if you have your scripture, uh, whether it's in uh, a Bible or whether it's on the phone or whether it's on your iPad, or they're going to put it on the screen as well, so we got you covered. Uh, we're going to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses uh, 15 and 16. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10. 15 and 16. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand, I like the word expand, so that we can preach the gospel in regions beyond you. And I like that, regions beyond you. I would like to just share some thoughts this morning uh, on the idea of beyond. Beyond. In fact, uh, I was so thankful as the worship team was singing, they, they talked about going beyond in that way, in the second song that we sang. And I thought, Lord, thank you for a confirmation of what I want to share this morning. As we can see from these verses, the Apostle Paul was on a Christ-commanded mission. It wasn't always that way in his life. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, And if you've read the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 8, particularly in the New Testament, Acts 8, it talks about this man called Saul that was breathing and hated the church of Jesus Christ. Hated Christians. Hated followers of the way. If he were alive today, he would be like Osama bin Laden that would just hate everything that Christianity stood for. And he was consenting unto the death of... uh, uh, of Stephen, he was uh, he was on a mission as well from the high priest in Jerusalem to go to Damascus and to to capture and to kill or to maim or to torture or to put in prison Christians. When on that Damascus road, there was a light that came down from heaven, shone about him. He fell to the ground. His colleagues fell to the ground. He heard a voice. They didn't. And that voice said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he responded, well, who are you? And the voice from heaven said, I'm Jesus Christ, who you are persecuting. 
Now, there's a sermon there right alone. There Jesus is in heaven, but he says, you're persecuting me. Why? Because Christ is the head of the church, and we are his body. So when his body suffers, is persecuted, Jesus Christ is being persecuted. Isn't that interesting? I mean, like I say, it's a sermon in itself. We're not going there. But I could, but I won't. Now, so when he got up, he was blinded. He went into the city of Damascus, and he was waiting there. He was fasting for three days. He was blind. He couldn't see. He was uh, on, that, on that Damascus road. If you read later in the book of Acts, it was his conversion. It was his understanding that Jesus Christ truly was the Messiah, the Christ, the, the anointed one that came to earth to save us from our sins. Paul understood that and was converted on the road to Damascus. Now he's in Damascus. He's in that home. And a man named Ananias comes, a God-fearing man, a Jew, a believer in Jesus Christ, comes and prays for him. The scales of his eyes fall off. And the Lord speaks to Saul uh, through Ananias and through a prophetic word that God was calling him for a special task. He was chosen of God to go to the Gentiles. He was chosen of God, as it says here as in Acts chapter 9, The scripture says that God told him he would suffer many things. Now, I don't know how that affects you, but how would you like God speaking to you in a very clear voice and saying, I'm going to show you how much you must suffer. I'm going, whoa. How about how much I might prosper? He said, I'm going to show you how much you must suffer. Well, Saul's suffering began immediately because he began, he went into the synagogue and he started preaching about Jesus. Now you got to understand, this is incredible. It's like Osama bin Laden getting saved and going into a mosque and saying, Jesus is Lord. It was radical for these people. Now, the interesting thing is that the calling of God contains elements of suffering and it contains elements of favor. Suffering and favor. Now, sometimes it's hard for us human beings to, to reconcile those two because we're much more interested on the favor side. We're not too interested on the suffering side, unless you're a masochist. So, he contains, he, well, how does this work out in Saul's life? Well, he starts preaching Christ. People can hardly believe it. He has to escape from Damascus over the wall, the scripture tells us. His life then follows. He he goes to Philippi and sees tremendous miracle with Lydia. She gets saved. He's thrown in jail. Suffering and favor. Favor and suffering. He goes on to some other places in his ministry. And the Bible says that even people that had handkerchiefs or a piece of cloth would come and touch him, take those pieces of cloth or handkerchief, go to somebody that was sick, and they would be healed. Favor. So back and forth, his life was filled with suffering and favor. And the calling of God is unique like that. It contains in our journey with him elements of suffering and elements of favor. Now, Acts chapter 13 through 28 really describes the apostles' ministry because Saul becomes Paul. At that, at that change in Acts chapter 13, this man that was the persecutor, that got saved, that got healed, that got a calling on his life becomes the apostle Paul, the great apostle to the Gentiles, and who writes over a third of the New Testament. 
this man that was on the outskirts becomes the insider because of the power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what was Paul's mission? Here was Paul's mission. Christ's last command was his first priority. I'm going to repeat that. Christ's last command was his first priority. You see, we all pay attention to a person that is on their deathbed and what are their last words. Those are some of the most important words that they speak in their whole life. And as Jesus was facing the cross and death and the burial, he he said to his believers, to the church of Jesus Christ, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. And Christ's last command became his first priority. That's why Paul could say in 2 Corinthians, where we read this morning in our scripture, that he wanted his ministry to expand amongst them. Why? So that they can reach regions beyond. Regions beyond. You know what? We are called as believers in Jesus Christ to go beyond borders. Now, most of us would think of man-made borders like political entities or geographical realities. But there is a border of offense between you and your neighbor. We're called to go beyond borders. There could be a border, a border of prejudice or a preconceived perception that we have. It's our self-imposed or man-made border or our cultural border or upbringing border. We have this kind of prejudice sometimes. Okay. Let me tell you, let me tell you a little story. I was, um, uh, I travel, I travel a lot. I'm on airplanes a lot. And, um, uh, one day I was, uh, several years ago, I was on an airplane in Zurich, uh, Switzerland, and I had been in ministry in Europe, and I was coming back to the United States, going to fly from Zurich to Chicago. This is about a nine-hour flight. I was in row 20. I was on the aisle. There was a seat next to me that was empty, okay? So I'm kind of, I get on the plane, I'm sitting there in my seat, and I'm just kind of looking at people as they come down the aisle. And my mind was wandering a little bit, and I thought, I wonder who's going to sit next to me. You ever been there? You ever been on a bus or a train or a plane and the seat's empty and you're going, I wonder, wonder which one of these people is going to sit next to me. So uh, this whole group of people come in. Now my wife and I were missionaries in Austria for 18 years. Okay, 18 years. We lived five years in Salzburg. Does Salzburg say anything to anybody here? Anybody remember the sound of music? That's Salzburg. Okay, we lived there five years knew about the sound of music, had the sound of music right up to here, okay? So this group of Americans come in, and they're chattering, and it's talk, 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 talk. And all I hear is a little bit about the sound of music. And I'm there, dear God, if one of these people sits next to me for nine hours, I'm going to hear about the sound of music. I don't know if I can take this. And so they come down, and they chatter and chatter, and then they walk by me, and the seat is empty, and I just look up to heaven, and I go, thank you, Jesus, thank you. So I look at a few other people coming down the aisle, and this big guy comes down the aisle. And when I talk about big, you have to understand my perspective. I'm six foot four. I weigh an eighth of a ton. So when I talk about big, I mean big. 
So he comes down the middle aisle, and he kind of has to go sideways because his shoulders are so broad. And I thought, dear Lord, if he sits next to me, I'm going to be out in the aisle for the next nine hours. The flight attendant's going to come along with the cart, going to hit me, and I'm, you know, it's going to be, it's going to get ugly. But he walks by, and I go, oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you. And then, it, then there was nobody on coming. And I thought, could it be? Could it be that I would have an empty seat? I mean, I could just stretch out a little bit. You ever been there? You're thinking, boy, I'd just be nice, you know. No. This young lady gets on the airplane, dressed in black leather boots, black leather pants, black leather jacket, hair the color of the rainbow. She has earrings to start here, go around on both sides, nose rings up and down, rings all around her mouth, rings on her fingers, and probably a lot of rings I don't know about. She has earbuds in her ear, music is playing, I can hear it 20 rows back. She comes and taps me on the shoulder and says in German, that's my seat. I I reply in German back to her because we both speak German, yeah, I know. (laughs) You know, that's who's got, so she sits down and I'm thinking, oh man, nine hours, what's, you know, how's this going to work? And then, anybody here ever been convicted by the Holy Spirit? (laughs) I'm glad I'm not alone. God kind of spoke to my heart and said, Mundus, this girl obviously needs to hear about Jesus. I said, "Ah, I hate that when I'm convicted. I said, yeah, you're right. So I'm thinking, now how am I going to relate to this girl, right? Here I am, probably in my 50s. She's 19, 20 years old. That's a pretty big age gap. Obviously, our worldviews are a little different. I'm man, she's a woman, how's this all going to work out? How am I going to... So I just decided, okay, hi, I'm Greg, uh, where are you going? And uh, she says, I'm going to Kansas City. So, anybody here from Kansas City? Good. I'm going, why in the world would anybody from Zurich, Switzerland want to go to Kansas City? I just couldn't figure that out. And she says, well, I'm going to the IHOP. And I'm going... International House of Pancakes? So I say, wanting to keep the conversation going, I said, you like breakfast? She goes, no. I said, well, you like pancakes? She goes, what are you talking about? I said, well, what are you talking about? She goes, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, what are you? She says, stop, stop, stop. Let me tell you a story. I said, okay, tell me a story. She says, several months ago, I was walking the streets of Zurich, Switzerland. I had no purpose in life. I graduated high school. I didn't want to go to university because there's no sense in it. Life is just going round and round. And what's that? So I started taking drugs and doing all kinds of stuff. There I was just kind of wandering the streets. And and lo and behold, some young people my age came up and said, hey, read this. And I read it. It was about this person, this man named Jesus Christ who lived in history. He was... uh, as I read, he was born of a virgin, he, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross for the sins of all mankind in every generation, he was buried, he rose again from the dead, he's living in heaven, and these guys were happy, they had purpose, I couldn't hardly believe it, and they said, come and have a cup of coffee with me, so I went and had a cup of coffee with them, and you know, lo and behold, I said, you know what, I believe this is a purpose for my life. So I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I have pr- I want to find his purpose in my life. So I went online and found out that in Kansas City, there's an IHOP, the International House of Prayer. 
I said, what? She goes, yeah, I get a three-month visa. I'm coming to the United States. I'm going to pray as 24 hours a day as much as I can and find God's purpose for my life. Pause. <laughs> then she looks at me and points her finger and says, Sir, you need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I said, what? I said, I'm a missionary. She goes, are you serious? I said, yeah, I'm serious. Well, let me tell you that when you're on an airplane, you don't tell anybody you're a missionary because the newspaper goes up, the earphones come on. People don't want to talk to you. We talked the whole way. Prejudice. Preconceived notions. The kingdom of God is not made up of people that we think about, but who God changes their hearts. So we have to go beyond borders of our own prejudice, of our own preconceived ideas, of our own illustrations of life that have affected us. We have to get beyond those borders. We have to go beyond the borders of our own weaknesses and shortcomings. We are called to go beyond borders of our own comfort and obey Christ's last command. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, it's interesting in this passage in Corinthians, if we were to do a little background, we could look in several other other writings of the Apostle Paul. For instance, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, it says that Paul wanted to equip the saints, that the offices of apostle and prophet and teacher and preacher are called upon to equip the saints. And that's why he said, I pray that our ministry expands among you. That equipping of the saints is so important. And when you come to church on Sunday morning, when you come on uh, the weeknights, if you come in Sunday school, what is happening is you are being equipped and the ministry of God is expanding among you. Why? So that you can get bigger and stronger and better? No. Because Paul says, so you can reach, be, go beyond the regions beyond you. To expand. So be, uh, to engage others that have not heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we expand in our growing in Christ so that we can engage everyone with the gospel. So, the question is for us this morning. How does this Paul's teaching apply for us today? In our setting today on a Mission Sunday, when we are called upon as a church to pray for missionaries, we are called upon in a faith promise. And by the way, faith promise is one of the most marvelous things in, in the church of Jesus Christ. It is saying, I'm, I, I'm not making a pledge. You understand? You're not making a pledge. You're making a promise. A God-given promise. It's a promise that God puts in your heart and says, I can believe God that He will help me with finances over this coming year in this amount that He puts in your head. That is going beyond the borders of our checkbooks. That's going beyond the borders of what's in our wallet. That's going beyond the borders of what's in the bank account. It's going out into the waves. It's going beyond. It's trusting God to do something that we cannot do. That's pretty cool. So he's called upon us to pray. He's called upon us to give. And you know what? He's called upon us to go. To go. To go beyond borders. Wow. Okay, that got a lot of amens. Let's keep going. Expanding and engaging is the task of the church. 
When the church is on task and on mission, Christ's last command is its first priority. You can measure your church if the priority is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we become a little club. And God's not interested in an introverted club. He is, interest, he is interested in an extroverted body of believers that believe that the message they have is the most life-changing, life-giving message the world has ever heard. And we share that. Now, this last command and first priority means that we can go to places. Let's talk about some geographical places this morning as well. Let's talk about the country of Nepal. Nepal's one of the most mountainous countries in the world. You remember just even a couple of years ago, there was this terrible earthquake that was there. I mean, just devastated, rocked the country. It was really, really bad. I just had the opportunity to be there just even a couple of months ago. And uh, we went out beyond the capital city of Kathmandu, which is, by the way, the uh, Buddhism and, and Hinduism, uh, very, very strong in this country. And uh, the church is very, very small, but very, very active. Very, very active. And we went out into a mountain area. I, I could describe some of the roads that we went on. It was the, their winding, twisting roads. And because of the earthquake, a lot of the fences or the borders that would keep you on the road in case you kind of veered off were gone. And so it was like uh, sitting, in the, sitting in the passenger seat and watch the driver just kind of zip along and you're going, okay, beyond borders. Yeah, just not beyond the border of this road, please. Uh, we get out to a place that it was absolutely devastated. The village was devastated on the side of a mountain because everything's mountains. And they had a church there. And the church, unfortunately, it, it, it happened when they were having church, like on a Sunday morning, the earthquake. And the building the, the, the started to collapse. And it collapsed on the congregation. And they didn't have a lot of escapes. They, Let me see, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven exits. Good. They only had one exit. 16, 19 people died just trying to get out. So what sometimes Americans don't understand is that we have tremendous freedom of religion here in the United States. And, but in many countries of the world, they don't have that. And one of the big challenges for believers, people that l love and believe in Jesus Christ or members of even you know different denominations, but let's just stick with Pentecostal for us, Pentecostal uh, church, sometimes they're not allowed to be buried in graveyards. And so there's no place to bury them. So what the church did is uh, they, had, they took a portion of where the church was placed and made that a graveyard, and 16 people were buried in that graveyard. And we saw this tombstone, and we saw the markers, and we talked to the pastor and the heartache and the temporary shelter that had been put up. And I said, how's, you know, the question is, how are you doing? And he says, I'll tell you how we're doing. The congregation is growing. It is stronger than it's ever been. And we were able, with the help of the Lord, on that, you see that mountain over there? I said, yes. And he said, do you see that mountain over there? I said, yes. He said, we were able to start two churches on those mountains because of what Jesus and who Jesus is. You know... What I found incredible is they went beyond the borders of their own pain. 
They could have withdrawn and said, you know, it's just us. Let's just take care of us. But what they saw is they saw a mission. They saw an understanding that Christ's last command is their first priority. Even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of suffering, remember the calling of God. Being chosen of God contains elements of suffering and elements of favor. And they said, we choose to share Jesus Christ with our friends and people in these other villages. Again, you and your church are a part of a network. The Assemblies of God, as Pastor described, a network that reaches around the world that is reaching beyond borders. This plan uh, includes expanding in growth in your influence in your local community. I think that's important to understand. Across the fence, the border of the fence, across the border of our own prejudices in our own community. And it's kind of like the Apostle Paul when he was preaching in the book of Acts. He said in Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. Notice that the Lord said, keep on speaking and don't be silent. This segues into the two elements of our calling I have mentioned. Suffering and favor, God's favor. You see, God has called you. Each of you. God has called you, chosen you, and commissioned you to be light and salt in your neighborhood, in your community, in this state, in the world. God has chosen you. That is an amazing, it's like Saul being in that room in Damascus. God appears to him and touches him and says, God has chosen you. Wow. And he says, don't be silent. Why? Because I am with you. I think there is no greater promise in the Bible than to know that Jesus Christ is with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will be with us unto the ends of the earth through the suffering times and through the favoring times. He is with us. If you're here this morning and you need that promise, I want you to know Jesus is with you. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you. He will be with you in the most difficult of times and the best of times. It's like the tale of two cities. It was the worst of times. It was the best of times. And every time Jesus is with you, he will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. Now, this plan of, uh, of expanding and engaging, going beyond borders, includes equipping and empowering God's people and equipping and empowering ministers and missionaries and people that give uh, their lives for the sake of the gospel to go where places we can't go. To do things that we can't do. Let me, let me share a chart with you. In 1900, in the year 1900, the global population was 1.8 billion people on planet Earth. In the year 2016, it was 7.4 billion people. Now that's explosive growth. In 1900, there were over 650 million Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists in the world. In the year 2015, when I got these latest statistics, there are over 3.2 billion Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists in the world. 
And it is estimated that 86% of these 3.2 billion people have never met a believer. They've never gone to a church because there are no churches and there are no believers for them to meet. They can't turn on the radio because there's no message on the radio. They can't see anything on the television because there's no message on the television. They are completely dark as far as Christ is concerned. We call these people unreached peoples. Let me take a quick survey this morning. How many of us have asked Jesus to forgive him or her of their sins one time? Just raise your hand. Thank you. That's the majority of us. Awesome. Now let me ask a follow-up question. How many have asked him two times? Let's spare the agony here. Multiple times? Yeah, yeah. Sandy and I were on an airplane coming out of uh, Mexico City several years ago. We were about 10 seconds in the flight, and the engine on the right-hand side of the airplane explodes. The plane banks. Dead silence in the airplane. It's filled with smoke. The flight attendant is... There's one voice that has heard me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Why? It's a default. As a believer, it's a default. When I do something stupid and something wrong, something, let's call it what it is, sinful, and I realize it, I recognize it, I repent and say, Jesus, forgive me. Do you understand what a privilege we have? Do you understand the privilege that I could call on the name of Jesus day and night, 24 hours a day? That there's no timeouts by God. That Jesus hears me every time I raise my voice. And 3.2 billion people have never had that opportunity. Do you understand why we have a missions emphasis? Thank you. I'm a crier. I'm sorry. They've never had that opportunity. And we can turn on the radio. We can turn on the television. We can go into a bookstore. We can go to a church. We can, we can even have a neighbor that is a believer or in our neighborhood. And these people have never had the chance. So the ministry amongst us must expand so that we can go beyond borders. That we can go beyond borders. You know, there are one billion secular, nominal Christians in the world. People that operate under the canopy of Christianity have no idea what Christianity is all about. Isn't that that sad? It's sad. There are churches this Sunday morning that will preach anything but Jesus. What a challenge we have. Many, many of you may have heard of a, a man by the name of Hudson Taylor. He was a missionary to China early in the early years of missionary activity. He said this, I have found that there are three stages in every great work of God. First, it is impossible, then it is difficult, and then it is done. 
How many times have we said those words? I mean, even talking about maybe a member of your family that's not a believer. It's impossible. And maybe it's somebody saying, no, it's difficult. But I, I know people that have persevered 20 and 30 years and prayed and believed and witnessed and shared. And finally, that child, that wayward child, or that wayward parent has come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Brothers and sisters, impossible, difficult, done. Impossible, difficult, done. I think about how the world looked at the Soviet Union in the 1980s, the Cold War. Many of you will remember the Cold War. Many of you will not remember it. Many of you will remember 1989 and the fall of the Berlin Wall. Many of you won't. But it's one of the most in incredible events in world history. That the Soviet Union, a communist power, collapsed. And there's all kinds of sociological and economic and historical reasons that will be given. I just happen to believe that the Church of Jesus Christ was praying that these people would have the opportunity to hear the gospel. I think that has to be put in the mix as well. The fact is that uh, the church has grown exponentially in Russia and in the former Soviet Union. Absolutely amazing. A sociologist by the name of Philip Jenkins in, in, uh, in Philadelphia was asked, what was the purpose of communism in the Soviet Union? And here's was, here was his answer. To build buildings large enough to house Pentecostal congregations. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And that's true. When the wall came down and the Soviet Union opened up, and this whole thing was in disarray, Pentecostal Christians would go to the biggest buildings in the city or in the village, and they were communist buildings. And they would take them over and plant a church. Impossible, difficult, done. I conclude with this. Don't say amen. I say conclude about ten times before I'm done. <laughs> my, what, my, my phone's telling me I'm done. I conclude with this. God has called you. I believe that. I don't believe just God calls ministers or evangelists or missionaries or pastors or teachers. I believe God calls everyone. I believe scripture says where God says... You have not chosen me. I've chosen you. You may be a plumber, a lawyer, a secretary, a doctor, a stay-at-home parent. You could be a pastor, a business person. Regardless of vocation, God has chosen you as his vessel. God is calling you to expand your borders and equipping you to mature and engage the lost, even amongst unreached people groups, with the message of Jesus. We are called to go beyond any self-imposed borders. I'm going to let that one sink in. Self-imposed borders. Self-imposed borders like, I can't do this. I'm, I don't have the giftings. I'm insecure. I don't have the money. I don't have, I'm not an extrovert. I'm not gregarious. Whatever self-imposed borders there are. God has called us to go beyond those self-imposed borders. We are called upon to go or to send people 
Hello. We are called upon to go or send people beyond the borders of geography, culture, and language. We are called upon to go beyond our own political views. Uh Uh-oh. We are called to set aside our own agendas. We are called to commit our ways to the Lord and not turn back. We put our hands to the plow, share, and we keep going forward. We don't turn back. So my question to us, what borders do we need to cross today? I ask myself, what borders do I need to cross? I've I've shared a few of the borders I've had to cross. And I'm asking you, what borders do you need to cross today? Is it the border of feeling insecure to talk to a neighbor, a friend, a colleague, or a family member about Christ? Is it a border of fear to release your finances, to make a faith promise, or an offering? Is it that border God is calling you to cross today? Is it a border to release your children to the will of the Lord? Sometimes we make plans for our children, and God has other plans. Remember, we're stewards of our children. And children, maybe God is calling upon you to release your parents. Is it a border of prejudice or political ideology which holds us back from expanding or engaging? Is it that you don't want to give up the comfort of your home, your job, or your position? Is it that you don't want to release yourself or your family member to follow the Lord to go beyond borders? My wife and I have children that serve in the Middle East as missionaries. People ask me all the time, how, how can you even sleep at night knowing that they're in this environment? I said, we can sleep at night because we know they're in the will of God. They're safer where they are in the will of God than anywhere in the United States out of the will of God. And they're definitely safer there than in Chicago. Sorry, that was not necessary. (laughs) So I asked the question, what's restraining? What's restraining me? What's restraining you? Is it fear? Is it the enemy? Is it the unknown? Is it insecurity? Today, I may ask the question as well. Maybe you're on the road to Damascus. Maybe you're not a believer in Jesus Christ and you've come to this church for the very first time. And maybe this is your Damascus Road experience and you're called upon to cross the border of your sin and to give it to Jesus. That challenge is there as well. But you may be in the Damascus home this morning and you need a healing. Or you need that God voice in your life that will talk to you about your calling and what God has chosen you for, your identity. So whether it's the Damascus road or the Damascus home, God is, believe, I believe, is speaking to all of us this morning. Just like Ananias directed, was directed to speak to Saul the word of the Lord, I believe this word is for someone or someones this morning.
So what is our response? What is your response to the word of the Lord? Would you bow your heads with me in prayer, please? Lord, I thank you uh, for this congregation. Thank you for Pastor Terrell and Kathy. I thank you for the tailors. I thank you for the missions. Thank you for the pastoral staff. I thank you for each member. God, because you have called and you have chosen these people, this your church and this community, to be a light, to be salt, to be a witness. Lord, I thank you that through the years, they have committed such such dedication, Lord, to you. That over 18% of their income is not absorbed by self, but is given away, Lord. So I thank you for on this Faith Promise Sunday that you're going to touch our hearts, Lord, to go beyond borders of our own finances and believe you, Lord. As we fill out a Faith Promise card that says that I believe God will supply. Go beyond the border of our checkbook, our bank account, our wallet. We go beyond that border and walk out into the ocean as Peter walked out into the Sea of Galilee and said, we're going to trust you, God. And even if we start to fall, we know you're there. And we're going to trust you to do more than we have ever done because we see 3.2 billion people that need to hear the gospel. We see ministries in this city that need supported. We see people out of this congregation that are serving around the globe. So God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us go beyond the borders of our own finances. Lord, I pray that you'd help us go beyond the borders of our own prayer life, Lord, and just being self-absorbed and praying, God, give me this, or God, do this for me, or God, do that for me, and to praying, God, would you touch the people of India? God, would you touch the people of Morocco? God, would you touch the people of Saudi Arabia? God, would you touch? Would you send workers? God, I'm willing to go from prayer to go. I'm willing, Lord. I'm willing. Lord, I don't know my future, but I'm willing. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.